Anyway, we are doing a series on on the Word and the Spirit. Right, the word for for Christians, the word means God's word, the Bible, and uh, the Spirit is the Spirit of God, and so we are people of the Word and the Spirit. Now that hasn't always been the case. There's some of you here have been in this area for very, very many years. When I arrived in 1994, I don't think it would be unreasonable to say that this was the main church that was a word and a spirit church. In other words, we were uh, really honoured God's word as being a message from God that was reliable and authentic and also was really pursuing the presence of God by his spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I I don't think it'd be inaccurate to say something along that line. Whereas now, 24 years later, really all the churches in Adelstone and Chertsey more or less would embrace that same desire. So, um, So that's really fantastic actually. Prayer has been answered and God has moved. We've been pioneered we showed away and actually at that time 24 years ago in other parts of Surrey nearby it was much more common to have churches like ours and this was a bit of a black hole in this area but that black hole's been filled by the testimony and the faith of those who planted here the the folks at uh, Thorpe Christian Fellowship and the way they moved and then those churches coming together in 1991 to make the church we are now so praise God for that it's one of the many areas we as a church have a call to pioneer and, uh, and lead the way. And that's uh, really good. Now, it meant, of course, 24 years ago, any Christian that moved into the area that wanted a church, that honoured the word and pursued the spirit, kind of automatically came our way. That doesn't happen anymore. But that's good, because now we can really focus on going after lost people. I love being where the spirit moves. Do you? I just love being in places where the Holy Spirit's moving. And that can be out on the streets. It doesn't have to be in meetings or at conferences. It can be out on healing on the streets, all kinds of places like that. And, um, but it's also my calling, so often on Sunday mornings, just to get us to slow down and look at a bit of the Bible and just feast on it. So that's, that's kind of what I do, so we'll do it again this morning. So I want to read from... Take a section in 1 Peter, spoke from 1 Peter 3, two or three weeks back, and now another bit of 1 Peter, chapter 4. And it says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Now my season in this church is coming to an end, and... Um, I've been so blessed to be part of such a vibrant community. As I was saying last night, I was at a meeting in the week at the in the council chamber at the local council, and the uh, work that is done, the inspired work that God has led many of you to do in in this community over many years, has got a reputation, is known amongst people. And so it's wonderful for me, because when I step into those situations, I know others of you probably experience that same thing as you engage the community. You find that there, yes, there are some closed people, but so often there is an open door. There is an open heart that welcomes and respects uh, what we have been doing, of course, what other churches do as well. But we uh, that that so as I was saying last night, I feel I ride a wave of you. I stand on top of the things that you guys do, and it's a great privilege. And I shall miss that going somewhere new because I won't have that that, that the knowledge that I'm part of that. Do you understand? And uh, I'm I'm going to miss that, and I've been counting the cost of that. So. Um, 
And every now and then I wonder, why am I doing this again? Um, But uh, there we go. I think God has led it, and I I really feel confident about that. But anyway, but of course, my leading is nothing to do with what this is saying. The end of all things is near. That may make you think of those kind of old-fashioned, maybe if you're old enough, you think of old-fashioned guys used to walk around the streets with sandwich boards on saying, the end is nigh. You know that kind of thing? And it's rather depressing kind of a message, isn't it? Um, but, um, and it's rather easy, I think, to sneer at those things. We think, yeah, well, Christianity's you've been around 2,000 years, and look, we're all here still, we're all still waiting for this supposed end or whatever. And it is easy to sneer. Um, but in fact, during that 2,000 years, um, in fact, for most of history, human beings have believed the universe had no beginning and it had no end. But the Bible says, no, it has a beginning and it has an end. And, uh, and yet now, in fact, scientists agree, yes, it had a beginning and yes, it's going to have an end. So it's curious, isn't it, how they've caught up. So um, whether it's scoffed at or not, the truth is that the Bible says... The end of all things is near. But that's not all it says, because it also says something else, that that end will mark a new beginning. So the beginning is also near. So that a lot of Occupy protesters, if you followed that at all a few years ago, um, they put up signs saying the beginning is near. Actually, that's, that's the Christian gospel. The beginning is near. The end is nigh, yes, but the beginning is near as well. The beginning is near. And so... Uh, The main question for us is really, are you investing in the new beginning that's coming, or are you still investing in the all things that are coming to an end? Because otherwise you're kind of wasting your life. So the people who are of this new beginning are people who pray. The people of this new beginning are people who pray. They're alert. They're of sober mind, so that they may pray. We... Um, These are attitudes that we can have that uh, are important. So we're alert. It's it's kind of be sane, be sound-minded, be level-headed, be self-controlled and pray. So we pray and we make decisions on the basis, on the calculation that another world is about to begin, which is more sure than this world that that we're standing on right now. And therefore, on the basis of that calculation, that affects how we live. So Friday night, we were out with some dear old friends having a meal at the Kingfisher, just over Chertsey Bridge. You, you know it? Some maybe been there? And uh, I noticed the waitress had, had one of her wrists strapped up. So I, I engaged her, said, oh look, I see your wrist is strapped. It was, it, you know, I didn't need uh, any revelation from God that she was ill. I mean, it was like, you know there it was and um, so I suggested I said look we're all Christians we'd like to pray for you and she was open to that there was tables all around empty I said do you have time that we could pray for you right now she says yeah that's fine look you know and um, so prayed for her uh, uh, there laid hands on the wrist and prayed for her I don't she didn't say it had been healed but but we, got, we had other conversations with her through the evening. And as a young teenager, she used to go to All Saints in Newhall. So I said, oh, they've got a great new vicar there, Fiona. You should really reconnect up there. And just pointed her to she lives in Newhall to do that. So, you know, this is because we see a new beginning, we live differently. So, and we invest in that new beginning. 
So, uh, and then we're sober-minded as well. So, you know, a lot of people take drugs, they d- take drink too much alcohol, they numb themselves with food or sex or experiences because they feel life's just, the world's an empty place, it's just full of injustice and suffering, so I'd better just have as much fun as I can and hide from all the rest. But as Christians, we say, no, actually... Evil is not going to win. Good is going to win. There's a new beginning coming. Therefore, I don't need to numb myself with all that other stuff. I can be sober and still happy because I know that there's a new beginning that is coming. And that's a fantastic thing. And therefore, I pray. Therefore, we pray. We're people of prayer. Uh, Mark Batterson says this, praying is planting. There's not a slide for this, Colin, so don't worry. Praying is planting. Every prayer is like a seed that gets planted in the ground. It disappears for a season, but it eventually bears fruit that blesses future generations. Even when we die, our prayers don't. Prayer is the inheritance we receive and the legacy we leave. What a powerful quote that is. I I found that a most moving quote. You know, I think if we don't pray, we're despising God's future. We're not passing on any inheritance of value, actually. But those who pray enrich the soil of the future. We secure blessings for our children, both natural and spiritual. And even when we die, our prayers remain spoken and announced and planted like seeds that God will still be at work answering. Because Jesus is at Father's right hand praying for us and no doubt repeating some of the prayers we've prayed. Isn't that wonderful? What a privilege and opportunity we have to pray, to plant such seeds based on our confidence in what God's future is. That in Christ, God was bringing his future into our present and we are participating in it. And we do that by prayer. And of course, the soldiers of love, it's good to keep in close touch with HQ, isn't it? So the next verse, verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. It's an interesting thing, this, because the people who write, you know, the expert Bible readers, they say, whoops, this appears to be the Apostle Peter saying, but there's something more important than prayer, and that's love. And we kind of think, oh, could we say that something's more important than prayer? Well, that's what Peter says, he says, above all, love. So he's saying it is more important in a sense. And you see, I think you can have prayer without love. But I, I really wonder whether you can truly have love without prayer. I really do wonder if that might be possible. Not So to be a child of God is to be a person who's learned to love what he loves. Now, I think the moment you talk about loving like he loves, it's easy to feel a bit of a failure, don't, don't you think? I mean, I had an epic fail the other day, so let me tell you the story. Because Elspeth's mostly living up north already, as you know. I, I'm shopping more, I actually enjoy shopping. So as in Sainsbury's here, shopping, as in the queue at the checkout, and there's a lady in front buying some food, I don't know, it was about £27 worth of stuff. And it came to paying... And she, I think she tried to pay with nectar points, and but she only had seven pounds of nectar points, so she couldn't buy the whole lot. So then she got a credit card out, and she could, that was bounced; it wouldn't take it. 
So then she had to, they had to take away the stuff and she just bought seven pounds worth of stuff. And I was standing there and I was kind of in this tussle inside. Why don't I just pay for this thing? But I didn't. In the end, I didn't. I just, I blew it. You know, Friday night I managed to pray for this girl. This other day, I, I stood there and I just felt such a lemon. I just felt... After, I, it's so stupid why I couldn't have thought this at the time and got it right do you ever have these experiences I won't ask you to answer but afterwards I was just feeling father what is wrong with my heart father help me forgive me how did I do that you stupid thing I, I, I just felt I'm embarrassed I'm ashamed and honestly I didn't want to tell anybody but enough, it was about ten days ago and I've got to the place where I could. I thought, I think I can tell you now. But I'm deeply ashamed. I'm embarrassed. It's very hard to love like he loves, isn't it, always? So it's easy to get condemned. And I need his help. We need his help to be able to love. And all through this passage, you'll see it's, you kind of expect the Bible to tell us to pray, to tell us to love, and a few other things that's going to come here. But every time, the apostle actually flavours how you do it. He says something about how we're to do it. And, cause Father's always interested in our attitude, you know. He's interested in what we do, but he's so much more interested in why we do it, and the attitude we bring. And so he says, that, above all, love each other deeply. They love each other deeply. And apparently the word has to do with something like, like fervently, like with atten- attention to it. And so, I mean, Barney, you played beautifully the guitar. You played beautifully on the guitar. So, you musicians, I just love hearing the live music. Isn't it such a privilege to have live music and to worship to that? And voices, there's something wonderful about music. What a wonderful gift music is from God our Father. And, uh, but if, if I went to your guitar, is it over here? It's just here, look. If I went and just t- twisted the, the, the things so that all the strings lost all their tension, it would be useless, wouldn't it? The guitar would be useless. And that, that day when I was in the checkout at Sainsbury's, that's what my love was like. It was all, there was no tension in it. It was useless. But if we can let Father, as we worship, as we spend time with him, as we bring our heart to him, he can tune that guitar up. A bit of tension, if there's a stretch in that, but it's only when there's a stretch that music comes out. And um, so, please God, we will have that experience in our lives. So this kind of love is not easily put off. We're told that um, this love covers over a multitude of sins. It's a quote from Proverbs. Peter quotes Proverbs several times in his letter. It's a quote from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, and, uh, which, which literally says this, love covers over offences, love covers over wrongs. Love is not easily offended, it's, it, it does cover over wrongs, that's, that's what love does. And again, that's a challenge, isn't it? I need God's help in that. You know, in... In most walks of life, I'm sure this happens to you maybe in your workplace, it, it happens to me as, a, as, a, as I've worked for 32 years in paid Christian ministry, there are seasons and times and quite regular experiences where people involved in the church, the faith community, they, they, they begin to think I'm not very good at what I'm doing. And uh, so they, f- that they do their own job spec for me, 
they do an evaluation of me. Then they ask to see me. I'm unaware of all of this. They ask to see me. I have a meeting. And then they go through their performance review of me and tell me, they tell me the performance that I was supposed to be performing and how I failed on each one. And so they're leaving the church. This, this happens. I have 32 years of ministry. I've seen this happen quite a few times. And it's not a very pleasant experience. Um, because it's peculiar, because they haven't asked me what other people have said I, about my job is. They've invented their own job description to do the evaluation. And usually there's not anything that I'm doing right. And of course, some of what they say is entirely accurate. It's, it's like, yep, that's tick, definitely fail there. Uh, and some of it is actually quite mistaken, but you kind of just sit there and uh, take it sort of thing. Um, but, you know, you have to keep your love on. You do have to keep your love on. And it's interesting, because I, rem- I remember one, I, d- I haven't got a list. It's not good to keep a list. Um, but I remember one person doing this, and then a few weeks later, they got in touch with me um, and, uh, and said, look, I- I've got a dream job I want to apply for. Would you be a referee for me? <laughs> I thought, yeah, great. I see lots of great, great things in you. I'm happy to speak up for that. And actually, even that they asked me, I guess, was showed there was something. You know, they didn't apologise, but it was great. It's fine. You know, keep your love on, folks. There's plenty of people that um, you, you have plenty of opportunity in your workplace with relatives. There's plenty of opportunity. To keep your love on. It's a Danny Silk phrase, and I think it's a fantastic... It's a great book, Danny Silk's book, Keep Your Love On. If I was to write a book about relationships, that would be the book. And he's written it, so I don't need to. That's a fantastic <laughs> result. So I really recommend it. It's a great book. It's kind of focused around marriage, but I think it's a fantastic book. Keep your love on. Because we're part of a, a love revolution, as this slide shows, right? This is what we're part of, a love revolution. And this is really important. Above all itself, it says, love each other deeply. The church is about love. It's, uh, if if you, you cannot lead those you do not love. And Jesus loves his church. And above all, we must love. And you must, we have to guard our heart with, with, with this all the time because there will be many opportunities to become bitter, but we don't want roots of bitterness in our lives because it spoils you, actually. It doesn't get the other person back. It just spoils you. So, next verse, read 1 Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Again, the, the, the Bible says something. Yeah, we'd think it would say that, but... What do you know? There's a little sting in the tail. He has to, Father God always wants to address our attitudes with it. Yes, offer hospitality yeah, without grumbling. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's some so-called Christians. You've probably heard about these kind of groups. They, we particularly hear of them in America or Korea or places like that. But you get people over here like it too. They announce the end is near, so they sell up. They move to some mountainous wilderness area of their country. They store lots of canned food, and if they're in America, loads of guns as well. And, um, and, and that's what they do in response to the message, the end of all things is near. But that's not the biblical response to that message. The biblical response is to actually engage with our community even more, to increase our engagement with God's world, because God loves his world. 
The New Living Translation of the Bible puts this verse like this. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And I thank God for all of you who've done that and do that. And as the people of this, as this new beginning gets known, and the people who will be part of this new beginning God is bringing along, um, well, Jesus spoke about those people once, and it's in Matthew 25. And I've got a slide for this. And um, Jesus says about that time when his new beginning's just getting started, he says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Right, this kingdom is the new beginning that's coming. And he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. Friends collectively were involved in doing that. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was ill and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I know Magnus and Pam at least are regularly involved in uh, prison visiting. There there you are. Uh, And that's such important work. It's Jesus' work. It's what, what we do. We offer hospitality and we, we don't grumble about it. But we can grumble. Oh, would you ever, it's just me clearing up again or whatever. God is so care, c- concerned about our attitude and he constantly wants to recalibrate our attitude so that we're not just doing it, but we're doing it with joy. We're doing it with hope. We're doing it with love. That's how he's doing that. I I want to honour Pradeep because he's served me, I bet he's served others of you here, by recalibrating me so often. Just some words he said, recalibrate. He even uses that verb, recalibrate, inviting me to take a different attitude than what I'm displaying and how he's blessed me by the times he's done that with such prophetic insight. So that's not to say we can't help each other, of course, to develop and to grow. Um, Sometimes we we can do. We need to steer one another. In in a sense, his recalibration is not grumbling because it's done out of a heart to see me thrive and to grow because he believes in me. And that's the difference, you see. Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, I can paraphrase a quote of his, says something like this. He who has a heart to help has a right to criticise. And it's when you know that somebody's for you, that he's an air conditioning unit, in, in, uh, as, as Pradeep said last night, a fan, that they can really make a difference to your life. And same with parents with children. We must move along. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This is wonderful. Peter thinks we're gifted people. You are gifted people. Right. You, you, you're blessed people. You, you have talents. You have th- there's something God has given you. When we were raising our daughters, we used to say to them, you know, one of the things that you're going to find as you grow up is just how God has made you. Because he's made you for a purpose. And when none of us is here by accident. We're here because the Father in heaven, before the creation of the world, had us in mind and just the qualities we would have. Now, of course, we have qualities that we'd like to get rid of and Father would like to get out of our lives. But there's still something fundamental in there that he called into being when he made you. And a divine design that he's drawing out of each one of us. 
So we have these natural gifts at birth, but I believe there are spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts, that come to us when we respond in faith to God. And those are probably what Peter's talking about here. And God's arranged it so that not one of us has all the gifts. Have you noticed that? Now, some people do seem to have a particularly big bag full of gifts. They seem to be a particularly talented. And, uh, and, uh, but even that's good for us because it checks our pride, doesn't it? When, when you, you know, to be able to love and celebrate those who seem incredibly gifted is a good place to be. Um, and the, the Apostle Paul lists some of the gifts in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Peter doesn't really bother to list the gifts here. Uh, but I, I, And you might say, well, why doesn't he give us a list? It would be so useful to have a list so we know what gifts we might have, sort of thing. But it, I think it's because it's only when you set out to serve others, as he says here. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And because it's only when you serve others... That the, the real attitude is correct about the gifts because it doesn't really matter. It's not about us going around thinking, oh, I'm so great at whatever. The point is, are people being served? What is the outcome? Is, are people being uplifted? Are people being helped? Are they being shaped and pointed to Christ? Because that is the difference here. And so um, we have a value in our church of serving, and that's reflected throughout scripture that we can be faithful stewards of God's wonderful grace now I believe we can grow it's not that we have a fixed set of gifts I think there's the evidences out there that intelligence all these kind of things are not fixed they are things we can grow in and we can ask God for additional gifts new gifts and the scripture says what 2 Timothy 1 6 the apostle Paul says to his disciple Timothy for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands so there was a gift Timothy received through Paul laying hands on him so that it is possible to get to a place where we receive an additional spiritual gift through somebody praying for us but I want to tell you just because you've received an importation like that does not mean suddenly you have it because remember Paul says to him fan into flame the gift You, you have to work with it and over the years I've met some people who were incredibly naturally talented but actually sometimes when you're very very naturally talented you're lazy with that gift you have because you can so easily flourish in it you don't work at it and I've often seen and observed in you know reaching the age of 60 as I have and looking back at it and some of you have that kind of age as well I've often seen some people who are perhaps less naturally gifted but because they worked hard at it have produced more fruit with their gift than those who had more natural gift. So, um, but, but whatever, we will answer to God for the things that he has entrusted to us. We are stewards. A steward has to give an answer for how they have used these things. So when the beginning that is coming starts, it will start with a, bit, with a review, actually. There will be a performance review and an attitude review that Father will have with us. And it's up to us to fan into flame what God has given us, whether it's helping homeless people, playing the piano, nursing, accountancy, prophesying, um, whatever. We have the opportunity to grow uh, in the skills of those gifts Father has given us, whether at birth or at our new birth. So don't fret about what it is, worry about, I wonder what it is God's 
God's give, given what label it has. Why don't you just set about being good for other people? Don't worry about whether you look good. Actually try and bring good, do good in situations. And, uh, uh, and that will be really good, finding God's divine design for us. When we bought the house that we're now selling... I was delighted because I'm a hoarder to see that the loft space was really quite big and it had boards on it. So I thought, yippee, I can put lots of things I hoard up in my loft. Um, But when we'd actually bought it and I got up in the loft, I started walking around. I quickly found it was quite dangerous because although there were all these boards, they were not cut to size so that some stuck over the end of a joist but didn't quite reach the next joist. So if you trod there, the whole thing started, yep. And which tells you the other problem, which was they were not nailed down, right? And I found that an amazing picture, actually, because, do you know, we're, we're all like those planks. And, and all the time the plank is at Travis Perkins or Wix or B&Q or the uh, builder's merchant of your choice. Um, <laughs> the plank has the potential to be useful, but it isn't useful yet. And some of us keep our lives in reserve, like, you know, someday I'll be this and the other. But, you know, to actually become useful, you need to let somebody saw the end off you so that you fit and then nail you down. And then that means you're only useful there, but you are at last useful because all the while you're not cut to size and nailed down, you're actually not useful. Yeah. So I want to say to you, you know, devotion to God's cause involves letting somebody cut you somewhere and nail you. And when you've done that, from time to time, God will move you. We're being moved now. And it's a terrible wrench because I'm having to be kind of, the jemmy's been got out, you know, the wrecking bar to lever up and the nails are being torn out. And when I go somewhere else, I'm going to find somebody else is going to want to saw something and nail down. And that's what I need to allow to happen. So I want to say to you, be devoted, right? Let's, let's be faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms and be devoted. And verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. That's why we worship, isn't it? Because I've just fallen in love with Jesus and I keep falling. And by his grace, falling in love with him. And I just want him lifted up. Don't we just love to see him lifted up? That people would see his, his wonderful virtue. How wonderful he is. That he's full of wisdom and, and justice and kindness and mercy. That his, the truth is with him. All his ways are just and true. I want people to glorify him. But in the meanwhile, he's made us his hands and his feet and his mouth in the world. And the only Bible people have is, is us. Very often. And... And so Peter's emphasis here is, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. I don't know. Time and again in the Bible, people were concerned about their tongues. You remember Isaiah? 
So in my mouth is, is filthy, all the stupid stuff I say, the bad words. He says, I want your words. This is the heart of what we should want. And then those saying, uh, you know, if anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides. Because when you do it with your own strength, you're going to run out of strength. And one of the great challenges of walking with God is how to work out to let our tongue be more in the Holy Spirit's control and to let our efforts be more energised by the Holy Spirit. And I don't have the, all the answers to that right now, but that's got to be right there at the heart of things because we want him to get the glory. We want him to have the glory. So when we celebrate, of course we receive blessings through one another. We hear God's word through one another. We're helped by other people and that is such a blessing. But when you know that it was his God's strength, I mean it slays pride because it slays the idea that I'm God's gift to the world, doesn't it? Because it was just it's just his kindness, it's his gift. The idea that I'm better than you, that, that gets slayed. We just realise we're beggars telling other beggars where you can find bread. Because we're drawing all of this from God our Father. So just as we wrap up, a few paragraphs early, because that's really the, 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 sorry, this section just looked at. This is where the Holy Spirit's so important. I mean, this, I was kindly given this drill yesterday which um, I'm dead chuffed about by the way thank you thank you um, so I haven't actually removed the battery yet so I don't know how but does did you do that to remove the battery thank you There's a, here is a true expert this is a this is like giving me a you know, a Stradivarius violin. It's, it's, it's probably a bit stupid. But um, this is like the Word. This is like the Holy Spirit. Right? That's the battery. Unless, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be irreverent or anything. Until you connect the two, then it works. But without that, nothing. You know, I, I used to read the Bible before I was a Christian. It meant nothing to me. One day the Holy Spirit helped me and I saw the light of Christ in the Bible. Oh, what a wonderful day. I've never regretted that day. So, so you need the Holy Spirit's help. We need his strength. We need him to be upon these words. Anyway, just to finish then, we go back to a verse, the previous chapter. Um, chapter 3, verse 18. I think it's up there. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. As ever, the Bible is offensive, but true. It speaks to our need. It's, a, it's offensive because I, it, this is telling me I'm unrighteous. What? <laughs> How dare you tell me that? Well, it's a great day when you allow God to tell you you are unrighteous. And you accept it. And you say, yes, that is the truth. That is the truth about me. That is a great day. Because then there is the possibility of salvation. Of being rescued from that. But it's also offensive because it tells me that Christ suffered to bring me to God. Because I'd like to feel I had something to do about it. That, yes, Jesus made a ladder, but I climbed the ladder. But that isn't what this says. 
It says he actually brought me to God. Do you ever watch those true life rescue films on TV? Do you, do you see those things? And when you see these air sea rescue guys come along, the helicopter comes along. They don't just drop a rope down and say, go on then, climb up. That, that are not the ones I've seen. They actually, one of the guys goes on the rope and he goes down into the water and then he hooks up, puts the, 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 the what's it on, what do you call it, harness. He hooks the person up. They get winched away and he's left in the water sometimes. Sometimes they come up together, but sometimes he's left down there. That, that's a perfect picture of the salvation that is in God our Father. It's, if, I don't wish to be irreverent, but it's like God the Father's flying the helicopter. Holy Spirit's winch man. Jesus... Which one of us going to go? They agreed it before eternity. Jesus was the one who was going to go. Down he's, he's descended on the first Christmas, became one of us, and he comes to each one of us to bring us to God. Didn't just create a ladder and says, come on then, climb up. He brings us to God. He's brought me to God. Do you know that he's brought you? Today he can bring you. It's what he wants to do today. Praise God. So, Ben, do you want to come up and we'll sing, sing that song again? I fix my eyes upon the cross, reaching out with all I've got. Yes, you, it feels like we've reached out with all we've got. And yet you realise later he was the one who reached out and grabbed us. Do you want to stand if you can and we'll sing this song? I want to read it to you. I'm letting go to start again. I need your love. That's why I'm here. We can't rely on our own love. We need his love. Waiting outside, my life it calls. So while I'm here, I'll give my all. Then, Lord, I believe you rose again. So I don't believe this is the end. No, this is, there's a beginning, right? The beginning is near, friends. You never fail. You have a plan. My life you hold within your hands. I walk by faith and not by sight. You are my source. Right? He's the source of our strength, of good words for us to speak. You are my light. In you I live. I will not die. You've stretched these wings. Now I can fly. Praise God. Let's worship him. He is greater, greater than them all.